Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Welcome back, friends. The BGE team has a very special guest today. Please welcome Cliff Chang. Cliff illustrated the Paper Girl comics and served as executive producer for the TV adaptation. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We've been looking forward to it. So many questions. <laughs> yes, we have been talking all that. things Paper Girls recently. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I guess we have to start at the beginning. What inspired the Paper Girls comic series? Well, um, I was uh, I reached out to Brian K. Vaughn uh, about working together. Uh, we had done one comic like 20 years ago. Uh, and we had a great time uh, working on it, but uh, our schedules never matched up. And uh, I asked him, you know, as I was wrapping up on Wonder Woman and he was, uh, you know, I think finishing up a TV show that he was working on, um, you know, do you have anything else? And he's like, you know, give me, you know, I'll, I'll send you something. And um, I got the pitch for Paper Girls and it was just, it was it was great. It was, you know, it was so clear what, you know, the characters and what the story was about. And there was so much potential to it. Um, and because it took place in the 80s, uh, when I was growing up, you know, I knew that there was a lot that I could add to it, just in terms of making it feel lived in and authentic and not like this kind of caricature that you often get at the 80s. Um, you know, I really wanted it to feel like almost journalistic in the way that, you know, when you watch E.T., you know, um, Spielberg kind of really gives you a snapshot of like 80s Southern California suburbs, you know, um, and not this kind of generic, you know, small town kind of thing, you know. Um, and, you know, it was a really interesting pitch because, you know, I, I hadn't really drawn a lot of kids. Um, you know, I wasn't sure, like, you know, it doesn't seem... I think we're trained not to think of, you know, girl stories being necessarily commercial, you know, or, or, you know, and, you know, so I was a little bit nervous, like, you know, just because this is, for me, this is a business, right? And like, I was going into business with Brian on this story. And I was like, this seems not risky, but um, definitely less predictable. And, yeah. uh, but that was also really exciting, you know, and, and it was so cool to see this eighties formula of like, you know, uh, coming of age adventure tales with like a sci-fi twist, um, kind of how it gets flipped on its head when you start, when you have, you know, female protagonists, you know, and, and, and that was so interesting to me and, and reading it, I realized that if I didn't draw it, I was going to be, um, picking it apart if anybody else drew it, you know? So, uh, you know, to me, that meant like, yeah, I, I had to jump in. Absolutely. Yeah, you may as well get in there and have control over what it looks like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as someone who grew up in the 80s, too, you really did. You you achieved your goal because it brought back, like, a lot of memories for me. <laughs> yeah, and it really does of... feel lived in, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about my house and like my friends' houses and, and you know, and, and what we did, you know, and like the things that we obsessed over, you know, so it's all, you know, trying to, you know, while I, I could remember that stuff somewhat, you know, um, clearly, uh, you know, try and reimmerse myself in being, you know, 12 again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't remember last year, so, you know. Honestly, for real. I can't remember when I was 12, and it was, like, 13 years ago. So, (laughs) uh, how did you become a professional illustrator? Um, I always wanted to tell stories. I thought I, you know, for a while, a brief moment that I might be a filmmaker. Um, but then, you know, I had camera troubles and then I realized I was going to have to deal with like a whole crew of people and maybe not be writing stuff myself. And, 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 you know, I real, it's as I was getting back into comics, I'd read them as a little kid and then kind of fallen away from it. But, uh, I realized, you know, if I, there was so much that you could do in comics and that if, um, you know, by writing and drawing them that maybe I could, you know, kind of you know, present kind of like a really uh, cohesive vision, you know, for, for a story. And so, uh, you know, I kind of fell back in love with comics and, and realized that, you know, this was the medium that I wanted to work in. That's awesome. um, I started working for uh, Disney Adventures Comics and then uh, Vertigo, um, which uh, was great. Vertigo Comics, uh, DC's kind of imprint for Sandman and Hellblazer and a lot of kind of um, stuff that was geared more for mature readers, a little bit more, you know, adult and literary. Um, like that really, that stuff really got me back into comics. And so it was a real honor to go and work there as a, you know, as an assistant editor. You know, um, my art wasn't really up to speed. And so I used that time to learn how comics are made from the other side of the desk. And, you know, while I was, you know, going home at night and continuing to kind of, you know, draw stuff on the side. And then after a couple of years, realized that, you know, if I was going to do this, um, that I would have to go full time with it. I, you know, there's a point where, you know, uh, I couldn't really split my time that way, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh and then yeah and then i did that uh for a few years moved back home with my mom um you know to make sure that uh you know i could keep pursuing comics even if they weren't you know even if i wasn't getting a lot of work um and then after a few years you know uh it seemed to you know get a lot more stable i was getting more work and and you know and then i went just you know after that i you know fully committed to <laughs> you know, to, to being an artist, uh, you know, it's, it was like a weird process. I didn't really think of myself as being an artist for a long time. And, and the kind of way my mindset had to change, you know, um, you know, versus having, being in an office and, uh, you know, working for a company and, and what your time is worth to that company, uh, and, and where your allegiances lie. And then suddenly you're a freelancer. And everything you do freelancing is terrifying. It is. It really is, and and it requires you know a a shift in the way you think, in the way you think. So, um, it it took me a while, and it took me a while to embrace that identity. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've done like That's freelance a- video production. It's it's the there's no safety net. Yeah. And that's something hard that's to get over. But that's awesome that you could move back with your mom and kind of make sure that it was a viable option for you and just build up your, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, also, you know, I was living in New York, you know, and that wasn't really going to be feasible. Right. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) It's like you, you... You can't just like afford a New York apartment in the middle of Manhattan for nothing. Not a decent one. (laughs) (laughs) He can afford this pizza box. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what is your process for visualizing characters and scenes from scratch when developing a comic? Um, With Paper Girls, you know, I had, uh, Brian had already written kind of a, um, you know, kind of a, a character, a brief character paragraph uh, on each. And that was so, it was so clear who the, those girls were and how they differed from each other. Um, and, you know, you use that as your springboard and you try to figure out like what of these personality traits can you, you know, um, 
can you make visual, you know, like how, what communicates, you know, um, you know, so Mac's haircut, you know, or, um, what she's wearing, you know, what any of the characters are wearing, like how, what, how that speaks to who they are and what their interests are. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely like, those are all specific choices, storytelling choices. And, uh, you know, did a couple, you know, versions of that, but, but, you know, by and large, I think, you know, being the co-creator of it, you know, and meant that, I should put my stamp on it, you know? And, and so, you know, once I had something I was happy with, I sent it to Brian and he was like, yeah, this is great. And, you know, and we just went from there. So there's something really nice about that where unlike with, you know, other companies, um, you don't have to check in with anybody. You don't have to get permission on anything. It's like, it's your idea and you can just run with it. It sounds like a really good partnership too, because it can be really hard if you're working with, other people, which, you know, we found that too, working within fandoms and whatnot with other people, that just, there's nothing like that relationship where you can just, you know, exchange ideas and kind of have a, a trust there. So. Yeah. I think going into it, you have to be open to the collaboration and knowing that you don't have and, and shouldn't have a hundred percent control over something, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it, what's, it's what the other person brings to the table and you should invite that and encourage it. Um, you know, and Brian's been really great about that, you know, from, from the beginning. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, like it's so magical when you like, you find someone that you work really yeah, well with. It is magical. <laughs> <laughs> like this podcast, Brian Theor is like the first people, like I've, like we fully work well and it's just so weird because you're like used to like group projects where one person does everything and yeah or there's <laughs> pettiness or whatever and nobody's like openly sharing and openly you know, like giving and taking like you're not you're putting your egos aside i guess this <laughs> is yeah in you some know, ways it's a, it's a partnership it's a relationship it's you know it it's all those things that have to you know you, and you really have to let like nobody's, you know, nobody wants to take orders and, and it's not set up in that way, you know, like mm -hmm. it's not meant to be that way. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's important, yeah, especially doing something creative to, to make sure that, you know, if you're not doing all of it, then you have to let, you know, for sure, it's not something you can control. It, it's sort of just like being on stage and like playing live music and it's like, you just jam and it is what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, how long do you typically work on a comic for? Cause like, there's a lot of different illustrations and it, if I was doing it, it would take, I would, it would never get done. So, right. Um, you're talking about like an individual issue or like yes. a whole trade paperback. Like, um, so maybe like both. Yeah. I, I mean, we had a, a very strict schedule that I set from the beginning. Um, you know, probably, because of my editorial background, um, we had about six weeks, maybe six to eight weeks um, per issue. Um, and usually, yeah, I think usually it took me about six weeks and then uh, to, to pencil and ink um, the issue. And then, you know, um, and then after say five issues were done, I would have about like a month buffer between, you know, finishing that issue and then starting the next, um, the next book. Uh, so, you know, what helped there was like, if I started to run behind on any of those issues, then, you know, it would be okay. I had about a month to, you know, between four or five issues to, 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 um, you know, if I needed it. Gotcha. Uh, so do you have any favorite illustrations from paper girls, uh, like things, parts that were the most fun for you to create? Yeah, I mean, there are lots of little moments that I'm really, that I really love, that I'm proud of. Um, but that last issue, I think, is really um, some of my favorite stuff because it's so quiet and it just focuses on the girls and, 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 you know, it's after all the, the sci-fi craziness and we're just getting to spend time with them because it's the last issue and we're not going to see them anymore. Um, you know, so drawing them, you know, smoking in, in like a little kid's playground, um, 
you know, that was like an image that, that, um, that came to me, like, you know, uh, I think the original script had them, you know, like on a bridge, um, you know, that was near, you know, where Brian grew up, um, you know, and just in the, in the same way that maybe that bridge was sentimental to him, I was just remembering, you know, being around that age or maybe a little bit older in high school, you know, and, you know, being with friends and smoking cigarettes in, in like a elementary school playground, you know, like that was a vivid memory for me. And, and I liked the idea of, you know, that juxtaposition of the awkwardness of it, you know, and, and how it really symbolized, you know, these girls being in between, you know, adults and, and being kids. Yeah. I love that. Like the playground brought a juvenile ex aspect to it because with stories, I feel like you could forget that kids are kids, yeah. especially when they're like dealing with situations that aren't typical. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really cool. Um, another thing that I thought was really cool is that all six volumes of the comics, like they all connect with the covers. So what made you decide to do that? Is that like a typical thing or is this uh, something unique? Um, it was, I kind of stumbled on it. Um, you know, I did the first volume, not really planning any of it, the, you know, the subsequent ones. And then when it came time to do the second one, you know, I realized, you know, I was trying to follow a certain amount of like the framing of the first one. Um, but all the covers, both the single issues and, and the trade paperback collections, um, are wraparound covers, you know, so like the image continues onto the back and, you know, and it was just a lot of space. And I was like, what, what can I do here? And I was like, oh, well, what if it somehow, like, there's a weird extension from the previous cover that, you know, that got cropped and we just put that on the back, you know, and then they can all kind of, you know, connect, but not in any like real important way, but just, you know, um, you know, as a little kind of Easter egg more than anything else. Mm -hmm. We love an Easter egg. <laughs> okay so we've marveled we have marveled amongst ourselves that the casting for the paper girls tv series was so spot on it blows um, my mind <laughs> it, it's like crazy how much they inhabit it's just like i don't know what was it like seeing people inhabit the characters you created the drawings from yeah it was it was very surreal um you know again yeah the the show would not have worked at all um, without uh, those girls, without those girls being so good uh, and so, so right for the roles. Um, you know, it, you know, if you, it, you know, if they were like somehow like more like actory, you know, uh, you know, that wouldn't have worked. Like they, they felt very genuine, you know, and, and I think they, you know, were able to tap into, you know, the characters that, that we created. Um, and with the, the, the scripts, you know, the, the writing staff, they really, um, the showrunners and, you know, they really honored kind of like the heart of what our story was while at the same time pushing it in, you know, a different direction or in adding things, um, you know, in order to, you know, um, to kind of fit the medium better, you know, uh, you know, right. there's certain things that we could do in comics that, that are necessitated by, you know, the format. Um, but, you know, when you have 40 minutes, you know, uh, or an hour of, of, uh, of TV, like you can fit a lot more in there and you want to spend time with those characters. So um, those stories end up changing and the, and the plot changes a little bit and, and you can, you, but you can fill it with all these really rich details and, and they really did that in a way that, um, you know, wasn't exactly like to the letter of what we did, but you know, I don't think that would have been interesting. Like, you know, we already have those comics, you know, and, and to just film those, you know, it would not make it, um, you have to let people do their, do their take. You know, I, we were just talking about this, you know, it's a collaboration and, and, you know, they have to be they have to feel empowered to do their best work you know and if we're being like prescriptive about what they can do it's just going to hem them in and you know and i think what we were so lucky to have with the show was you know this 
this vehicle for people to kind of express themselves and their feelings about, you know, their childhoods and, and, and growing older and, and whatever disappointments they may carry. And, and, uh, you know, and that, that's really poignant and, and, you know, and, and I'm glad that, um, they were able to, to do that. For sure. Um, so another aspect of the show, we previously spoke with David J. Peterson and Jesse Sams, who worked with developing the spoken futuristic language in the Paper Girl series. How was the written language developed for the comic series? And is there a reason the conlang wasn't spoken as much as in the comics? Yeah, I don't as much in the show. Right. Um, I mean, partly we we didn't see that much of uh, the teenagers, Heck and Naldo. um, Oh, yeah. uh, You know, and, you know, so unfortunately, like that was something, you know, that we might have seen more of, you know, in another season. Um, For the comic, it was you know just a cipher like it was just english but you know with with different letters um and uh and so it wasn't and it was like very conversational you know 20th century english so it wasn't like the weird kind of future um kind of more stilted future speak of the uh the old timers um Mm -hmm. it was something a lot more casual and 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 uh and you know i guess more appropriately you know kind of teenage sounding um so you know, with, yeah, with the show, yeah, I would have liked to have seen it more or done something, you know, where, where, you know, where we would have been able to, to see more of where they came from. That would have been really cool. It's, we love the whole, the whole conlang. We learned a lot about that stuff. We did. We learned a lot. Because you, you probably know more about it than Hi, I do. Caitlin. We had a nice, like, we had a really long conversation with, with David and Jesse and, like, still chat with them some uh, once in a while. So it's, it's just been really cool finding out what goes into that whole process. But, um, so was there anything from the comics you wish had been adapted to the show? To the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> much yeah no i mean there, there's a lot i mean there was you know and and it was a definite you know uh there are ways in which the you know that first season covers a lot of ground but then it also you know um we don't get to spend the time in the 80s that you know i kind of wish we had a little bit more of you know uh like but you want to get to that high concept of them meeting their older selves a lot faster so um you know i would have liked to have seen them in the 80s just kind of going through just being kids you know Mm -hmm. or being thrown into the future and having to deal with that on top of everything else um but i mean yeah the rest of it would have been great you know seeing some sort of prehistoric version of uh cleveland um you know, would have been. Do you think Worry would have ever been in there if the there were more seasons? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm. Well, going in the other direction, like you were talking about, the little details that get added and give a lot of flavor for the characters. Um, we really loved KJ's plot line where she gets to see her future self meet and meet lauren so how did those change how do you those changes develop when adding when adapting paper girls to tv yeah um you know i wish uh i could speak to that all i know is when those scripts started coming in i was jealous of them you know of of these (laughs) ideas you know because it it was so great It it was something i wish we had done in the book um you know it was such a beautiful um scene you know when they're at the uh at the movie theater you know and and talking about you know talking about being gay and and in a and the the way that lauren recognizes so quickly what kj's talking about was just so heartbreaking and and sincere and like you know i I really love that stuff um you know so you know we didn't we didn't explore as much of KJ in the, in the book. Um, 
and you know I think partly it's it's nice to leave something to the imagination um, and because so much of her journey was about um, in the book was about figuring herself out in that moment you know as uh, but uh, you know her seeing her future self in the show you know was was a, a different way to kickstart that you know reflection uh in her and and you know and it, it works really really nicely yeah I we think talked we, for a good like we 30 for 40 minutes about maybe that an entire episode about that scene <laughs> we all we all just loved it so much because it was such so relatable in the way that you sometimes almost have to speak in a code just because of the uh i guess importance and almost the outside big. stigma attached it's so big yeah, yeah exactly and in that time period even more so because it yeah. was even between even from like 1988 even from 1995 to oh. to now, there's such a difference in the way you have those conversations yeah. because me growing up um we just had our talking about coming out episode and we talked about the whole process for each of us and caitlin's mm. uh a little younger than theora and i and so it was just a, a little bit so it was just kind of such a, so interesting because theora and i's experience are so similar in that we were you know graduating in the late 90s from high school and just going through that the coming out process in that time so it was so rewarding to see that on screen and we're really glad that they did it so i'm mm. only laughing because i was born in the late 90s don't talk to me <laughs> <laughs> fine i'm old let's we'll move no on. no anyway let me see where we are Okay, so we've talked a lot about Paper Girls, and we still have more, but I want to know what your favorite or most challenging project you have worked on in your career. Uh, I just finished it. Um, uh, it's called Catwoman Lonely City. It's a book mm. that I wrote and drew and colored and lettered. Um, you know, so I did all of the, the, the different creative um, parts of it. And uh, you know it's it's four That's issues, and, and the the collected edition comes out in in December, uh, in mid December. Oh. Uh, and you know I think if you like Paper Girls, I, I would say definitely give it a read. It's about an older Catwoman who um, has been in jail for ten years after um, being put away for uh, for you know reportedly uh killing batman um and after this really horrible night called fool's night in gotham city that saw batman and the joker and commissioner gordon die and so she comes back after 10 years of being in prison and the whole city has changed it's kind of clean and 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 touristy and and people are spending a lot of money but you know there's a lot of inequality there's a lot of institutional racism there's a lot of um she comes back to a city that is over-policed um, with very militarized um, uh, police officers who are now wearing kind of Batman-esque uniforms and things mm. like that. So it's up to her to, um, you know, she comes back and she's not quite sure where she fits in. And, um, and she's also trying to solve the mystery of Batman's dying words, uh, which were save the city. And, and, and in order to do that, she has to break into the Batcave. So it's one last heist mm. for Selena Kyle and, uh, you know, and trying to find a crew to do that with. Um, and when, you know, the city has changed and everybody's gotten older, um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, for me, it was, it was very ambitious. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Uh, I think if, yeah. And again, if you like paper girls, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. There's, um, and, and it's gay. There's gay stuff. <laughs> There's gay stuff we're in. That's all you had to say. <laughs> if you said that up front, we would be like pre-order. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I was, I was holding off on it. You know, I didn't want to, you know, 
didn't I want it to be a surprise. In the other stuff too. No, it was. It was all interesting. It really sounds because <laughs> in the Batman world, she was always my favorite character. So yeah. you already had me at Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> I just—it's funny because like everybody likes to do that at the end, like, and it's gay. Like, right. oh, okay, cool. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah basically how we do our podcast <laughs> we're very simple people <laughs> okay so it seems like the story for the series the tv series of paper girls you didn't have like a part in really like it was just based off of it I don't know, like what you're fully like what you did. Yeah. Well, like we, we had rolling. yeah. Brian and I kind of decided early on, like we we wanted to take a step back and let them do what they wanted to do. If they were going like you know, if if they were doing something that we thought was really wrong, then maybe we'd say something, you know. But um, but for the most part, you know, unless you're in the room working with them, you know, then you're just another annoying person giving notes, you know, and, and, and that's never good either, you know, and, and how many, you know, at what point do you burn off any goodwill and nobody wants to listen to you, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know, and all these things get, you know, and, and whether or not, you know, our notes, then, you know, what if, you know, then the studio has notes and, and all this other stuff is so it would have just been such made, a big chain. Yeah, it just, you know, it would have made things more difficult. So we just kind of mm -hmm. stepped back and said, you know, we think these people are great. They're, you know, they're, they're really talented. Let's let them do what they do, you know, and, you know, and, and, and let them loose. And, you know, and I think they really created something very unique, you know, um, and, and that spoke to a lot of people. I think that's the best, you know, that's the best outcome that you can, you can ask for. You know, I, I think the, the show is really sticking with people in a way that even though like it wasn't renewed, you know, I which is people, a crime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but people, I, I think they really have, uh, like, it's really personal to them, you know, and, and, and that's awesome. You know, it's like, you know, anytime you, you make art, you know, you want someone to, to feel, uh, you want someone to love it in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're thinking about making a citizen's arrest on that one. <laughs> I never know what's going to come out of Bree's mouth, but I don't know if you'd know the answer to this, but something has been really bothering me. Do you know where KJ and Mac end up? Because I'm really upset that we don't get to see them at the end. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do, I do know where they end up. <laughs> so I'm glad you can't tell us. To me, that you can't tell us. Yeah. They're okay. They're all right. They're alive. They're okay. They're alive. Yeah. At least you know no, that. They're, 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 in, in the, uh, they're in the past. They're in the, in the far past. That's where Theora thought they ended up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was, that was her theory. Yeah. I mean, they, but, you know, they, I, I think they're, you know, they wanted to follow some of the, you know, the shape of the books uh, as well. So you it know, was such it, a big part of the comics. So I was really surprised that, cause I did read them after seeing the show. And while I was reading, I was like, this is so different. So yeah, it would just. You have to put it in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, but here's the question for the possible us forgiving people for crimes. Do you think there's a possibility that another network might pick it up? Or do you know? I don't know. Uh, I, I wish I knew. Um, all this stuff is kind of like a crazy black box to me where, you know, I don't know what happens mm -hmm. inside of it <laughs> uh you know i do know that yeah they're shopping it around and and you know and they definitely feel like there's you know from what i understand you know there's interest but i don't know what shape any gotcha. of that interest mm -hmm. is you know is in um you know what they want what they don't want um from it so you know unfortunately i can't really i can't really say like what they you know where it would go or what what would happen to it if we had a network we'd pick it up 
Right. Oh, yeah. Like, I really want us to create the big gay network in the future so we can just <laughs> save Halo all the wants shit. to take over the world, basically. You should probably... World domination. You're going to be like an evil villain at some point. <laughs> this is what this is about. It's just, it was so good. And, like, the actresses... They they just embodied the characters so beautifully. Like Fina just perfectly took on the coming out, like her facial expressions, the way she said things. Yeah, we this is why our Paper Girls episode turned into four episodes. Yeah, it was originally <laughs> supposed to be one, but it turned into four. <laughs> nice. Uh but when I was doing some research for the interview. I saw that you did an interview with Harvard Magazine where you said the hunt to find the next one, talking about comic books, made you really savor each issue when you got it. The wait made it this very mysterious thing that you could never have all at once. You only got a piece of it at a time, which just made you a bigger addict. So the question is, do you think the outcome would have been different if Paper Girls was released weekly instead of all at once? That is really hard to know my part of me suspects yeah that the the binge model only works almost accidentally for certain things you know i mean if you look mm -hmm. at a lot of shows now they're like they're not dropped all at once uh or if they are um once they're successful they are not dropped all at once you know so uh for paper girls i i think you know, we definitely would have benefited from it coming out and the word of mouth being good, you know, because not everybody wants to sit down and watch eight hours, 10 hours of TV in one weekend, you know? Or they do, and then it's just over. And even mm -hmm. if it gets renewed, you have to wait over a year. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, and actually, if you like something, sometimes you want to savor it too, and you want to mm -hmm. spread it out. Yeah. So, you know, it's great that it, that it can be there for people to enjoy however they want, but it's not great if you're going to then, you know, say, you know, uh, if you're not going to give things time to grow. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. great for building an audience. Yeah. Yeah. You're just kind of expecting no. people to find it, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then hope that it it's like a mess. Also, if you don't actually market it that well, just yeah. saying. I'm I'm not over this. Okay, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> She's bitter release, about it. Yes, very. When you release everything at once, there's only one push on social media, really. Yeah. Like there's like one thing, and then it goes down. But if it's every week, then people keep hearing about it, and then it'll go up and up and up, and it just makes no sense. And I think that's why people are starting to not do it all at once anymore because they realize it doesn't work anymore. I feel like a good like a good thing is like the three episodes all at once and then weekly. Mm. I feel like that model works really well. Yeah. I, I like think a lot about too. this. <laughs> she does. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so you were part of creating the most important comic book on earth. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's about climate change and the uh the the proceeds of the book you know go towards really um you know towards you know saving you know certain um trees and, and putting you know towards um real initiatives to prevent like the extinction of species and things like that so it it's it's definitely about you know not just you know educating people or, or dramatizing, you know, the effects of, of climate change um, on the planet, but also about like making sure that the book has an impact uh, on the planet as well, you know, that, that it actually does something or that the money that that is raised uh, by it goes somewhere towards actually doing something. It's really cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really fun. I love when media like any form of it does something good because I'm always talking about how powerful it is and not in, and sometimes it is used for really good things, but yeah. So I just, I just love positive things. 
But I have one last thing about Paper Girls, the show. Because it, it is so different from the comics. Is there something that, besides, like, the KJ thing that we talked about, that you loved, that was adapted, that you weren't, like, really expecting? Like, what was your favorite part of it? Um, I mean, my my other favorite part probably was um, Mac's brother, Dylan, who, you know, we only had very much on the periphery uh, in the book. And, you know, it, it's the, I really appreciated being able to see the flip side of, of their, you know, of these girls time traveling and, and not knowing what happens. And then, you know, so, you know, in the book, we, you know, we focus on, on Mac and how she takes the news, but like the, the idea of like what her loss means to her family uh, you know, is, is also really, uh, interesting and, and heartbreaking. And, you know, and I think I, I was thinking a lot about, I, I just love the scenes between, um, them and, and the dynamic and, and this idea that you get to, you know, uh, see a lost, you know, someone that you lost seeing them again, like what that would do to you. And then, you know, and then it, kind of haunted me later to think that like, you know, she had to leave and then she was gone again from Dylan's life, you know, like, what is that? You know, it's almost like, did he imagine it? You know? Um, so yeah. it's really heartbreaking. Absolutely. We talked about that too. Like, yeah, she didn't even get to say goodbye. And... Yeah, I know. It's so sad. Intense. Those were really great scenes. And we didn't I mean... get to see like what happened. Yeah. I was hoping that if we ever got, or if we were going to get more seasons, that we'd get to see what happened with Dylan, because yeah. that couldn't have been easy. I mean, like, and he wasn't the only one who saw her. Like, the kids also saw her. Right. So that means that he wasn't crazy, crazy, but he's probably, like, looking everywhere for her. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's a lot. But yeah. we've made it, You've you've made it past all the uh, hard open-ended questions <laughs> now we've gotten to the fun section of would you rather okay but we're not we're not saying that they're going to be easy probably more more fun for us in the audience but you because you have to make some hard choices <laughs> all right all right There's one question in particular that that was all for but i think we before we get to that particular the second question i think we need to yeah. explain the origin story but so the first one is would you rather fight the time war for the stf or the old watch yeah i mean i think you know well certainly the way the show is you know you want to work for the you want to yeah you want to be on the side of the stf but I think, you know, probably with more seasons, we would have seen a little bit more of why the old watch is so, you know, concerned mm -hmm. about the timeline. Um, so, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe they would have had a convincing argument, but maybe not, you know, but um, certainly for the book, you know, yeah, you, you definitely want to be on the teenager side. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um... Marie, would you like to do the second one as well? Okay, good. Or Lord. do you want me to? I, I will do it. <laughs> no, I will no, do it. No, I got this, this was your question at first. Listen, <laughs> there's a reason we asked this question. It's just a, a kind of a funny backstory from when we were covering um, Motherland Fort Salem. But um, basically, just say would the you rather? First. Yeah, good. Would you rather get the sex talk from Aaron? Older Prioris, older Aaron, Prioris or grandfather, you know, like the birds and the bees. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's really funny because I kind of, you know, right as characters or as like people like the, those actors. <laughs> oh, as, as the characters. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I would definitely uh, yeah. talk to any of those actors about it. Uh, they'd be hilarious. Uh, Oh my gosh, that 
It would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm just thinking of it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think out of the three characters, maybe I'd want to talk to Grandfather, I think, because because Pyrus is so cold, <laughs> you know, and 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 she's like she's like a Terminator, you know, and then uh, so I'm not sure how you know useful that conversation might be mm -hmm. um and then older erin seems like she might get flustered more easily talking about it yeah. and whereas like grandfather would just be kind of like pretty chilled out and matter of fact mm -hmm. yeah you... i feel like older erin wouldn't like actually get to anything that's why i <laughs> right. want older erin because it would be amusing <laughs> Oh, there's that question always brings up some very interesting answers, no matter what show it goes to. <laughs> Sweet the, the other two are very tame. That was the only untamed one. I blame Taylor Hickson. <laughs> yes. Uh, who would you rather have as your younger sister? Tiffany, Aaron, KJ, or Mac? Wow. Uh... Yeah. Let's see, Tiffany, KJ. I, I think yeah, I probably wouldn't be able to handle a Mac. Um, you know. <laughs> That's like, very fair. Uh, let's see. I think Aaron's probably too much like myself, so that you know, I I don't need you know, I don't think that would be interesting. Um. I don't know. I think I, I'm going to go with Tiffany. I think, uh, you know, it, it'd be interesting to have, you know, to, to have a younger sibling like her who's so driven, you know, and, mm -hmm. and to be like, you know, and, and to see like how you can help, um, you know, help that person achieve what they want, you know, and, and, and what you can do, you know, for them. Um, you know, I, I, but I guess that's more like being a teacher than <laughs> than being an, an, like a, an older sibling. Um, so, but yeah, I'm going to go with that. Be careful what you wish for. I was that younger sibling. I was just yeah. called annoying a lot. Right. <laughs> I think younger siblings well, get called that a lot anyway. Yeah, that's just like any younger sibling, really. Well, no, I just yeah. got told I made them feel stupid a lot. <laughs> Not my fault. I mean, fair enough. Okay. If you were to time travel, would you rather visit the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, or prehistoric time period? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to go with the 90s. Oh. Yeah, I feel like the 80s like technology wise, like feels like, like so different now that I don't know if I could, you know, like mm -hmm. a lot of amenities, you know, wouldn't be around. Um, the nineties, you know, uh, you know, it's when I was in high school and college, I think I could kind of make my way around a little bit easier. Um, and the 2000s is just too recent. That just doesn't feel like. Right. That's just, yeah, that's, um, and, yeah, and prehistoric times would just not be good. It's just, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> absolutely. how hard, uh, you know, probably get eaten by a dinosaur life. or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or probably... some crazy, yeah, some crazy, like, you know, bacteria that just, I was know, about to say, yeah. <laughs> you would get killed by the bacteria or viruses or whatever before any of that, I would think. But um, yeah, if Theora no. was here, she would list out a bunch of different things. She's an infectious disease specialist. Pharmacist. Pharmacist. Yes. <laughs> um, I think you made the correct choice because I would go back to that time period just to like know everything that we know now about technology. And you're at the cusp of when everything became uh, like mass 
you know, when we first got the internet everywhere and everybody had computers, started to have computers and cell phones started to actually be, you know, not gigantic <laughs> at some point in the late 90s. So absolutely, I'm with you on that one. I'd go back to the 80s or 90s just to know what Bree's talking about half the time. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. We love each other. Um, but it's thank you for telling us so much. But do you have any final words that you want to tell our listeners before we wrap up? Um, no, I mean, I just, you know, would want to say, like, thanks for, you know, for reading the books and watching the show and, and like, you know, really embracing it. You know, I think it's, um, you know, again, I, I think we tried to do something that felt genuine, you know, and sincere and, you know, and really tried to take a look at, you know, um, you know, kind of the interior life of young girls, but in, in the framework of this sci-fi, you know, adventure. Um, and, you know, and I'm just so grateful for having, you know, the opportunity to, you know, to, to make, to be a part of something that, you know, that made people really so happy. Well, That's thank you for creating this with your partner in crime because it really was an amazing journey and we really really hope that somebody picks it up for the tv show for the love of everything please and that more people read the the books and maybe that would help more people to find the comics so thank yeah. you very much well, thank you and to everyone at home listening make sure to check out Paper Girls, the TV show, and the books. And follow Cliff on Twitter at Cliff Cheng. C-L-I. We'll just link it below. <laughs> yes. So thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. And please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes. And please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus.